Am I on? Can you hear me? Good. Just to confirm what Chinonzo is saying, with my workplace, as you, as you know, it was, um, I got the new job back in May, but my launch date is on Wednesday on Halloween on the 31st. Not an omen. Um, but I can testify to what Chinonzo is saying, that there are times when you feel so, um, like it's overwhelming, and God does take you through. Uh, there are times when, like, the last couple of weeks, I've been working some mad hours, even Saturdays, to make sure this system goes live on the 31st. And we've hit some bumps, but we've got over most of them. Like Trinoza says, we, you hit barriers. But when you hit a barrier, you don't stop. You keep going. That's what God is there for. He's there for the barriers. He's already given you the strength to get through it. You have to believe that he's going to take you through it. So just keep, you know, for all of you guys out there, who are hitting barriers at the minute, do not let them stop you. Keep praying, keep pressing through. That's what the, the message has been the last few weeks. We're fighting. We are fighters. We will not be put down. We will continue to keep fighting and praise God as we're doing it. Amen. 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 That's my partly political broadcast finish. We're getting with the preach now. <laughs> but I had to give glory to God because just yes. as Chinonzo has done, um, there's 210, 210 staff where I work. And I had to train all of them in eight days, and I've done 150. Wow. So that's God. Amen. That's God. Yeah. So all things are possible in him. Amen. So we're here today to talk about God's covenants, and we probably will touch some of this stuff um, that Chinonzo has already raised already. But it's good to look at things. Even though you may think you know that you know all about this, there's always something new to learn. So just bear with us, listen to the message and the word, and I'm sure God will reveal another nugget of wisdom that you may need to put in your calendars. So let's pray. <laughs> Heavenly Father, we thank you that all things are in your hands. I mean, we testify to it every day. When we pray, we pray because we know God is in control. We know that when we put things in his hands, it is done. There is no question about it. It is done. So thank you, Father, that you're bringing and gathering more and more people to that revelation, to that realisation that God is in control. God is the ultimate. And there is nothing like you in this earth that can ever be in your place. So, Father, as I deliver this message, let your servant be inspired, empowered to lift your name up, but to deliver the word as you would want it to be delivered. In Jesus' precious name, amen. amen. So today's... Sermon is about God's covenants. And this morning, I would just like us to think about those covenants. So we're going to look at what a covenant is, its importance in the Bible, and why covenant relationships are important for us to grow. So the first question would have to be, what is a covenant? The word covenant appears 332 times in the NIV Bible. And within 37 of the 66 Bible books, that's more than 50% of the books represent that word. 295 of these are in the Old Testament, with 32 of these in Exodus and 25 in Deuteronomy. Covenant can be defined as a chosen relationship in which two parties make binding, unbreakable lifetime promises, obligating themselves to each other, but which both parties voluntarily willingly enter into. In the past, people with great authority, such as a king, would make covenants with those having less or no authority, such as their subjects. 
Virtually all the covenants in the Bible have conditional and unconditional elements. The Bible shows God made specific covenants as follows. He made one with Noah to never flood the earth again. One with Abraham to promise land to his numerous descendants. To Moses to show the commitment to Israel to be his chosen people. To, to Phineas to establish his priestly line. To David to promise him an eternal kingdom through one of his descendants. And through the new covenant which is spoken about in the Old Testament and I believe fulfilled by Jesus Christ his son. Marriage is a good example of a covenant. It is the closest relationship that shows what it is like between God and ourselves. There are many different kinds of covenants in the Bible, as I've just said. Marriage vows are promises a man and woman make to each other during a wedding ceremony, spoken before God, a minister, and your loved ones. You also have to make declarations that you will always love and care for each other in a way that pleases God, no matter how challenging that may be. Rings are exchanged to reflect the lifetime commitment of these promises. Here's a fine-looking couple. Yep, I was a few kilos lighter and a lot less greyer. But yes. When expressing the vows, a couple will face each other, holding one another's right hand and saying something along these lines. I name, take you name, not name, you put your name there. <laughs> to be my wife or husband, to have and to hold from this day forward, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish till death us do part, according to God's holy law or ordinance, in the presence of God, I make this vow. This is where all the couples will say, ah. Oh. And some of them are thinking, did I really say that? <laughs> then a declaration is made by both parties, saying they know of no legal reason why they should not be married. The minister completes the ceremony and declares the couple husband and wife. Christians believe that by making these promises in the church, we invite God into our marriage to help us keep them. God needs to be the focus. Your vows are more than just words. It is the point that you agree to be in a covenant with one another and God in the centre of it. The vows signify a loving, committed relationship that wants to support and build one another up through thick and thin, wanting only the best for one another and a willingness to sacrifice for one another. A quote from Tony Evans, Marriage is a covenant union designed by God to strengthen the capacity and ability for each partner to carry out their purpose in the spheres of influence where God has placed them. Purpose involves impacting your world for good through fulfilling your purpose in all the places and ways God has positioned you to do so. At our baptisms, we also make declarations or vows before God. We confirm that we're giving our lives to Jesus from that day forward and that we will follow him always. As a bride of Christ, we enjoy his inheritance just as a spouse shares in the riches and position of their spouse. God wants this for us in his relationship with us. He will never break his promises or commitments to us, but we may fail to keep our promises or commitments to him. Praise God we cannot break our relationship with him when we do make mistakes and that he continues to be faithful despite our shortcomings and our wayward ways. 
Remember, there will always be consequences to us not upholding our side of the covenant with God. But through his care, patience, and correction, we can learn not to make as many mistakes going forward. A quote from Craig Groschel. Our God is a God of covenant. He makes permanent relationships with his people. In our world today, weddings are based on how beautiful the bride was, how big the cake was, how posh the cars were, how grand the venue was, and how big the bill was at the end of it. <laughs> the covenant relation is about proving the worthiness, I feel, of one's heart. So what can we learn from God's covenants? God's covenants tell a story of a loving, patient, merciful and gracious God trying to reconcile his wayward, disobedient creation back to him. God is a great storyteller, but most of all, he's a great author. He writes us a new story in our lives and adds our story to his continuing story of love, peace and reconciliation. Psalm 8, verses 3 to 4. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? As believers, it's not that we are better than anyone else, but as believers, we do know better. Yes. So as we know better, we must act appropriately. Yeah. Yeah. Because we are in a covenant with God, we do have to remember we have to act appropriately. We have to remember that we are his ambassadors. We reflect him. We represent him on this planet. So we just need to keep God at the forefront. We are a blessed people. So as blessed people, we should acknowledge the Almighty and act appropriately, for he always acts appropriately to us. Again, with a marriage covenant, we are a reflection on our spouse. If we act badly, we reflect on our spouse. And if our spouse reacts or does things badly, that reflects on us. The same with God. We must remember that it's not all about us, but it's all about him. Amen. And if we don't act, react or respond appropriately, it will reflect on him. God is very, very protective of his name. And though we may not mean it, he will correct us as appropriate to ensure his name is protected. I'm sure parents here will understand that terminology. Our kids, you take your kids to the party and everyone's playing happily and your child is the one causing trouble. And you don't, you don't think, oh, Percy's doing okay over there. You're thinking, wait till I get Percy home. <laughs> because they are reflecting you, aren't they? Mm -hmm. They're representing you. They're your family. Yeah. We're God's family. Yeah. 1 John 2, verses 5 to 6. But whoever habitually keeps his word and obeys his precepts and treasures his message, treasures his message in its entirety in him the lord of god has truly been perfected it is completed and has reached maturity by this we know for certain that we are in him i didn't think the preach was that bad okay whoever says he lives in christ that is whoever says he has accepted him as god and savior ought as a moral obligation to walk and conduct himself just as he walked and conducted himself God's covenants reflect both, both blessings and curses. However, Jesus' covenant of grace allows a way for us to be forgiven by God if we sin. 
God's side of the new covenant started with Jesus' death and resurrection, while the believer's side of the new covenant starts when they commit their life to Jesus, receive his salvation, and acknowledge him as Lord's Saviour. What I would add to that is, once you do accept his salvation, we need to walk accordingly. Walk as he would have us walk. God's covenants confirm him as our Heavenly Father, and we as his chosen people who will follow and obey his will and purposes. Jesus is the only mediator of God's new covenant. There is no other way but through him, as we see in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 5-6. to six. For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. Jesus' blood began a new covenant, as Matthew 26, 28 says. For this is my blood of the new and better covenant, which ratifies the agreement and is being poured out for many as a substitutionary atonement for the forgiveness of sins. So I'm going to ask a few questions now about Old Testament, New Testament, Old Covenant, New Covenant. Does the Old Testament complement the New Testament? For this, we need to talk about both the old and new. They are both part of one story about a holy, merciful, and loving God. A God that just wants to reconnect and be loved by his creation. He sets in place many things to bring people to that realization of how good he is. The Old Testament can paint a picture that God can be a harsh and hard God, an unmerciful God in some respects, dependent on your viewpoint. When we look at the New Testament, we see a patient God, but if you also look at the Old Testament, it also shows a very patient God trying to correct his people. The New Testament shows that even a more detailed side of how merciful, gracious, loving and forgiving our God truly is. And he did not think about this as he was going along. He instigated this plan before the beginning of time, before the Old Covenant, before Abraham, before Job, before the creation. That is how powerful the story of the New Covenant for us as believers. Both of God's covenants have required love and obedience to him. The first, the Abrahamic Mosaic covenant, had physical and spiritual blessings for obedience and curses for disobedience. The second covenant, Hebrews 8 says, is a better spiritual one, offering a pure heart and is provided by Jesus through grace by faith. Jesus is the link between the two covenants. He did not come to replace the moral law given in the Old Testament, but to fulfill it and provide a better way to obey and follow God by writing God's ways on our hearts rather than stone tablets. He gave us the ever-present Holy Spirit to empower us to live a life worthy of God's standards. God is regenerating his people by his Holy Spirit, renewing their hearts to obey him through the death and resurrection of his son, Jesus Christ. So in many ways, the Old Testament and the New Testament complement each other. The Old Testament is foundational. The New Testament builds on that foundation with the revelation of God through Jesus. The Old Testament establishes principles <coughs> that will grow into New Testament truths. The Old Testament provides prophecies that are fulfilled in the New. The Old Testament pointed to a Messiah. The New reveals who he is. Another question. <coughs> Are the principles of the Old Testament still in place? Yes. 
people? I believe so, as the old covenant and its principles still bring lots of people to the revelation of Jesus because it speaks of Jesus. Are you okay? Both the old and the new covenant speak of a saviour, one who will come to put everything right and correct what the first Adam did wrong. But let me be clear, when I speak about the principles of the Old Testament, I speak about the moral law only, given directly from God and not the rituals required to cleanse the people before Jesus brought the new covenant. And so, yes, the old covenant is not redundant. It still shows us many life experiences and triumphs over tribulation that we can learn from. We see stories of real people trusting in God and dealing with real problems. There is always something to be gleaned from both the old and the new covenants. We must not forget the principles of the Old Testament teaches us because we see characteristics of God that will never ever fade. His true eternal faithfulness, his love, grace and mercies towards those obedient to him. The Old Testament shows a righteous God, a God who will not allow his name to be tarnished in any way, a God who feels the pain and the suffering of his people, who can be hurt and is hurt so many times by those he loves. So who is under God's covenant? I believe since Christ's death and resurrection, all men are under God's new covenant. Let me clarify. All men, saved and unsaved, are under the new covenant. Those who obey through faith in Jesus and follow him will be saved. Ephesians 2, verses 4 to 9. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our, trans in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. While those who don't obey will face the appropriate punishment for their disobedience and lack of faith, as we see in 2 Thessalonians 1. From verse 7, And to grant relief to you who are afflicted as well as to us, when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels, in flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction, away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might, when he comes on that day to be glorified in his saints and to be marvelled at among all who have believed, because our testimony to you was believed. If we aspire to do wrong, we will eventually do wrong. So if we aspire to sin, and we do, we will eventually sin if we do not deal with it. It begins with temptation, and then we are wooed by the temptations, and then we give in to it, and it becomes full-blown sex. Sin. Full-blown sin. Sorry. Also, if you go looking for trouble, or if you go seeking to find fault, you will find it. Because if you're looking for it, as with most things, you will eventually find something. Maybe not what you were looking for, but you will find something. 
So I guess the parallel with marriage is, if you're looking for fault in your partner, you will always find fault. But we serve a God who does not look for faults. God looks for us to see past the faults and to work to be fault overcomers in some respects. So that others can get over them and grow from them by God's grace and mercies. Amen. Amen. And even those who do not acknowledge him, we're talking about those who will not follow him, God cares for them unconditionally. Although they do not respond or acknowledge his love towards them. It was the rebellion in their hearts that separated them from God because it starts from the heart inside and then leads to their actions. So what responsibilities do we have under God's covenants? God's covenants rely on mutual responsibilities being undertaken by both ourselves and God. However, his covenants require obedience from us for us to ensure we fulfill our responsibilities to God and those around us. Always remember with God, it's not always about you. There's always someone you need to help. Christianity is not singular. Christianity is family. Obedience is the key element, and even Jesus, his son, was obedient to the Father, even unto death. The Holy Spirit remains obedient to the will of of the Father and the Son for our benefit and sanctification. His covenant requires us to serve out of the abundant grace he has already poured into each of us to do good works for his glorious name. 1 Peter 4.10, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. So God's covenants makes us accountable to him. And his covenant requires our faith to be actioned through obedience to his will and purposes. The key to remaining obedient to God is to develop, maintain, and grow a loving relationship with him. So is God's love determined by his covenants? Me personally, I say yes and no. For us, our relationship with him determines how much we can experience of his grace and mercy through his covenant. There is much to gain and learn by remaining in God's covenant relationship and presence, but it requires great diligence patience and obedience on our part when we do it naturally loving him and taking responsibility for our relationship the better his covenant is for us <clears throat> whose responsibility is it to maintain a good relationship with god it is ours god will make every way to ensure he keeps his part of the covenant it is all it is usually us who falters from keeping our end be it allowing sin to draw us away from God's love, being disobedient, or violating his covenant relationship. For both God's covenant and the marriage covenant, change must begin from within. Inward change is lasting change, because it's only when we change inside that the outside will change. We all know that when we join in any of these covenants, they are lifetime covenants. So... Just some clear church. Do you realize when you become a Christian, it's a lifetime commitment? It's not a club. It's not a membership. You are saying to God from this day forward, I am yours and he is yours. So you don't opt in and opt out. There's no tick box to say later on you can come out of it like the the pension scheme. Once you're in, you're in. Yeah? Amen. We shouldn't plan to go into them lightly. And we know that there will be change required. 
In God's covenant, he requires us to change, to conform to the example of his son, Jesus Christ, through his Holy Spirit. God requires us to love him through his son, via the Holy Spirit. And he requires us to worship and glorify him as it shows our love for him and also shows we acknowledge who he is and what he has done for us. Just to break it down into a day-to-day example. You've organised a party for your loved one. Surprise party. They know nothing about it. And they come, they enjoy, yeah, they have a great party. But they forget to say thank you to you afterwards. Do you think you'd be a bit upset? Yeah? Yeah? Is there anyone that's going to say no to the answer? (laughs) No. Right. God does this for billions of people. Makes things, the impossible sometimes happen. But he's not looking for gratitude. But he would appreciate it if you give it to him sometimes. Just if you say, thank you, Jesus. Three little words. Three little words. That's all it takes. Don't forget. Don't take him for granted. Does disregarding this covenant upset God? Yes. God has emotions. God has feelings. Probably more sensitive than our own. Rosen sees all. I believe he also feels all and constantly feels the sorrow of his people, but also the hurt of being betrayed or let down by his children. We can hurt God by forgetting about him, what he has done, is doing and will do for us. We hurt him when we don't listen to his instructions and leading. He has always provided the best way for you to proceed, but our pride or foolhardiness often get in his way, and ours, and we don't follow him. Consequences of disobedience and failing to keep our side of the covenant go far deeper and further than any human consequences. Do we break God's covenant? No. No. I'm glad you said that. A lot of people fall into the trap of the word break. But no. But we may not fulfill the requirements of it. God is ever faithful and ever merciful with us as we learn not to fail in keeping his covenant. Only one was righteous enough to fulfill all of God's covenant requirements. And he now sends the counsellor, the Holy Spirit, to empower us to keep and fulfill his covenant. Without him, we are unable to ever keep God's commands. Can we ever lose God's covenant? I believe only God can remove his covenant from us. But I feel as God knows who will be faithful to him, he only makes and keeps his covenant promises with those he has chosen to call to himself. So if we do agree to live under his covenant, we must expect to live up to his high standards. And we cannot deny God's standards are not high, but they are the best for us and for those around us. We see just in history and life itself that by living by godly values and living under his covenant, people have prospered and benefited. So we mustn't be so blinkered in our living and our actions that it's all about us. Where for God it's all about the kingdom, his people, his name being glorified. His covenant needs to change our attitude from an attitude of it's all about me to an attitude of it's all about him and it's all about us, always and forever. For me, I believe he gives us a taste of what life is like without him. When he allows things to come in and oppress us, as he did with the Israelites when they were rebellious. It was about correction, 
but it was also about the absence of God in their lives. He was showing them this is what life will be like if he completely pulls away. God never does, but just imagine if he did pull away completely from everyone's lives. Their rebellion and oppression are a fraction of what this world would be like if God completely pulled away and did not keep showing his merciful hand in people's lives and in their situations. Just remember the Old Testament stories about Abraham and Lot and about the sin on the Tower of Babel. Things were pretty bad in the Old Testament. We think we've got it bad now, but I think we don't want to get to that point ever again where it was completely sin, no godliness at all. But if we don't fight back, church, that will happen. Five, who do we have covenant relationships with? First, we have a covenant relationship with God himself. If we are married, we have a covenant relationship with our spouse. We have a covenant relationship with our children as we vow with God's strength to bring them up according to his ways and purpose. We begin a covenant relationship with God when we accept his salvation. What we must remember is that God began the covenant before the beginning of time, before we could even acknowledge it. So he is the one who instigates the covenant between us. But like a situation where one person loves another, maybe from the very first time they laid eyes on them, the other may not confirm the same at first, and so not acknowledge their connection or union. But God, being the ever-faithful God, has put everything in place for us. Not one thing is missed to ensure a perfect covenant with us. He did that through his son, Jesus Christ, who made the ultimate sacrifice through the ultimate plan to give us the ultimate victory. As God has instigated the covenant between us, even before the beginning of time, he is ensuring that his bride comes to his son. In a common relationship, it is up to both partners to ensure they are worthy of each other and also to be confident that the person they are placing their trust and heart in is worthy of their love and their heart. Mm -hmm. I know it's old-fashioned nowadays, but, you know, who had to do courting back in the day? Mm -hmm. do, anyone, do people even remember what courting is? Yes, we do. Isn't that, isn't that the time period that you're checking the person out? Yes. <laughs> I heard a male voice say yes. Is that Andy? You're the only male. Everyone's, all the other males are quiet. You hear that? Yeah, we keep an eye. Keep an eye. Anyway, so you're doing it to make sure that you're going to, because it's a lifetime commitment. If you're yoking yourself with someone, you want to make sure that you can <laughs> stay with them for the distance, because you're taking the vows in front of God, and you hopefully don't want to be doing it again with someone else. But God has to prepare our hearts to be truly worthy of Him. And he begins the work in our hearts. God proves to us his heart and love is worthy of us. And it's up to us to acknowledge and receive his guidance in developing a heart worthy for him. Not that we will ever be worthy, but we want to aspire to what God has already put in us and want us to achieve in himself. Psalm 40 verse 8. I delight to do your will, O oh my God. Your law is within my heart. We need to develop or acquire Christian friends who will be willing to develop covenant relationships with us, as David did with Jonathan, to support and give us accountability to one another, to give honest and constructive advice, but in love, and care for one another. We need these relationships to grow and to achieve what God has for us to do. 
David himself had a covenant relationship with God, some called the Davidic covenant, which I believe we have seen fulfilled by Jesus in the New Testament. To summarize some key points of David and Jonathan's relationship, just to give you some background, we all know about David and Goliath, yeah? We know that story? Yes. Well, there were, there's a big gap in the years between when David was called by God and anointed to the time he becomes king. And the king at the time, Saul, had a son whose name was Jonathan. Jonathan was a good man, and I've spoken about him before in previous speeches. He was definitely God-inspired and God-led. Unfortunately, his father wasn't. And Saul was always trying to track down and kill David. But Saul, Saul's son, Jonathan, always supported David. No matter where David was, no matter what the trouble was, he would go and see him. He was disobeying his father to be a good brother to David. So that's the background on that one. So this is the key points from their relationship. They both nurture the spiritual bond with one another. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. Certain friends you will develop a deep connection with as God is putting you together for a reason. Allowing the, allow the Holy Spirit to knit you to people. Amen. I can testify to that. There are certain brothers in the church that I'm more connected to, even sisters that I'm more connected to. You have to encourage... If you're not open to other people, people won't be open to you. Amen. You have to build relationship. Relationship takes work, takes effort. Now, I'm not saying to you, to go up to the next person you see and say, I want to be in a godly relationship with you. <laughs> Please. God's wisdom. Follow God's wisdom. Certain people you're not going to get along with, don't yoke with them, yes? Use godly wisdom. God will guide you. It's not you that's taking you to that person. God is taking you to that person. You've got to get out of this it's me, me, me attitude and go with God, God, God attitude. You'll be better off in that attitude. Number two, they both show sacrificial love for one another. Both will be willing to risk their lives for one another. And it was Jesus' example, and the one, Jesus gave us the ultimate example, and the one we should always follow for God's purposes. They were always willing to offer one another encouragement. No matter their situation, they made the effort to allow themselves to be used by God to encourage one another. We need each other, so allow the Holy Spirit to help you build one another up and aspire to greater things for God. They provided protection for one another. They watched each other's backs and ensured they stayed out of trouble's way. Steer your friends with God's guidance and wisdom. Now, when, this, when Jonathan was around, David couldn't do as much as he could do. But David always remembered, and it was Jonathan's son that David then took under his wing, and he protected him like he was his own. So these things, they do. They, they build up things much stronger than you, you realise. They were confidants for one another. We all need to vent sometimes, and we need someone to be just a listening ear with no judgement. And all that is said remains between the two of you. And the last one, they felt no jealousy towards one another. They treated one another like brothers, despite one being the, the um, heir to the throne and one destined to be king by God. Love always motivated them, not position or ability. They desired to honour one another rather than get ahead of one another. That is God's desire for all of us. 
why are God's covenants good for us? Our covenant with God helps ensure we will fulfill our calling in God's purposes. When we give ourselves to God and hold on to his covenant promises through obeying his instruction in his glorious word and by his wisdom, we live a life pleasing to the Lord. Another quote from Tony Evans. Covenant relationship with the Lord brings us purpose beyond our imagination and with it direction and empowerment to do what God has called us to do. God takes great pleasure when we take pleasure living by his covenant grace, mercy and love. And God's covenant reminds us of what God has done for us and others throughout our lives. It shows us how good God is and always will be. Amen. Ephesians 2.10 For we are his workmanship, his own masterwork, a work of art, created in Christ Jesus, reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed, ready to be used for good works, which God prepared for us beforehand, taking paths which he set so that we would walk in them, living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us. Amen. Amen. Living the good life. Now, when God talks about the good life, it's not about us having a mansion and the roller parked in the front. No, the good life is that you're walking with God. That's the good life. There's no other thing like it. God continues to keep and develop a covenant relationship with us, despite how hard our hearts get. One life-changing life event may draw some to him, and the same event might harden other hearts against him, like the loss of a loved one. Hebrews 3, verses 7 to 10 says, Therefore, just as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts, as your fathers did in the rebellion of Israel at Meribah. On the day of testing in the wilderness, where your fathers tried me by testing my forbearance and tolerance, and saw my works for 40 years, and found I stood their test. Therefore I was angered with this generation, and I said, they always go astray in their heart, and they did not know my ways, nor become progressively better and more intimately acquainted with them. His covenants enable us to have an ongoing relationship with him. They provide ways to get to know him and yourselves better. God pursues a relationship with us. It's up to us as to the extent we get involved with him. He's always all in, are you? He provides various ways for us to hear from him. His Holy Spirit, his word, even his children or circumstances we face, endure or overcome. A quote from C.H. Spurgeon. Because God is the living God, he can hear. Because he is a loving God, he will hear. Because he is our covenant God, he has bound himself to hear. Amen. All the above teach us to listen and wait on the Lord. Despite our hard hearts, the God of all creation still desires to know and love us. And for us to know and love him more and more each day we walk with him. Those on the God's covenant know his ways and follow his ways. Psalm 119, verse 11. Your word I have treasured and stored in my heart that I may not sin against you. Amen. Those under his covenant, he disciplines and loves and corrects. Revelations 3:19. Those who I dearly and tenderly love, I rebuke and discipline, showing them their faults and instructing them. So be enthusiastic and repent. Change your inner self, your old way of thinking, 
your sinful behavior, seek God's will. Amen. His covenant shows his faithfulness. Before we knew him, now we know him, and for all the days we will know him. Through the new covenant, God has instigated a new royal priesthood who do not need a priest or prophet to approach him. They can approach and pray to him directly without a middleman. As his royal priesthood, we need to love God totally, serving him in whatever he calls us to do, setting ourselves apart from the world and sin so to honour and protect his name and watch and pray over his people. That is the key job for a priest. You're supposed to watch and pray over the people. You don't take that title lightly. You're a royal priesthood. God's new covenant with us gives us new life, new choices, and new opportunities. Without him and without his covenant, we cannot gain, nor can we live in the new choices and the new opportunities. He has even given us new abilities, a new mindset, and a new heart. No man can rush God, nor should any man attempt to, for his purposes and his timing are all his own. Amen. This new covenant does not only give us purpose, but it also gives us hope. Hope for something better, though unknown, we know it is beyond measure, a great treasure, and we also have a great privilege to be in and to enjoy his presence. We get a fraction of that on this earth, but in eternity, both God and ourselves will enjoy each other's company. God wants his children to be with him. He has created this new covenant in his son's blood to ensure our salvation so we can be with him forevermore. God's covenants with us always require us to be and make us to be better people. He always wants us to be the better person in any situation. He does not do this for us to brag about it or to be proud about it, but he wants us to always show his best characteristics, his love, grace and mercy, patience, kindness, joy, or even his righteousness. And I'm sure there's many other things I'm only noting what strikes me. I see God as a tinkerer. Do we know what a tinkerer is? Yeah. Someone that's always tweaking. Yeah. It's like your, your father or your husband who's always under the car and says, yeah, that needs tweaking. Or that needs doing. He is constantly refining and tweaking us, making us better and improving on the previous model. And he is not happy until we are made perfect. And we won't be until we go home into his presence. So in the meantime, we are going to be all receiving all sorts of updates, not window ones, godly ones. Being upgraded until we are refined like gold and all our impurities are literally squeezed out of us and only Jesus is left. Some upgrades happen when you reach a certain point in life. So like for ladies, when you become wives or mums and then you develop bionic ears and bionic <laughs> eyes. God upgrades you so that you're able to meet the new requirements, the new challenges, the new milestones that you have reached in your life and in your walk with him. Not to be outdone men, for fathers, he helps us to develop bigger pockets and also bigger hearts. For us, we have to become teachers and leaders with our wives to teach our household good godly values and how to glorify and praise God. God's covenant people are a strong, proud people, a people he called and etched out of his creation to walk with him, to fulfill his purposes, and his covenant brings strength and comfort to them. They are a loved people, a cared for people, a people he constantly considers 
and keeps in the forefront of what he does because he loves us, he cares for us, and he nurtures us. All we think about is tomorrow. All God thinks about is forever and eternity. For him, there is no tomorrow. For him, there is no end. God sees everything yesterday, today, and tomorrow as if it was happening in that very moment of time. He sees the beginning and the end. The eternal God sees every one of our moments, knows and even acts in every moment, for he can foresee how we will react, and he plans ahead, way ahead, to then use our actions for his purposes. So God has done everything to ensure we have the opportunity to do what he requires of us. He gives us the strength to do this. He gives us the tools to do this. He even gives us the love, the patience and mercy to do this. So in all, God is still doing more than we could ever give or do for him. So remember, church, God lifts our name higher than anything we could imagine, and he provides situations much more beyond our imaginations. To sum up, the message to take away today is not to take your covenant relationship with God and others for granted. God takes great care to maintain his side of the covenant and our relationship with him. We must also strive to maintain our side through his grace and strength and by the empowerment and guidance of the Holy Spirit. So thank you, Heavenly Father, for being an all-powerful God. Thank you for, for not being overbearing with that power, but sharing that power and enabling others to be empowered through it. You are a great God, and your covenants support everything you need of us, require of us, and want from us, Lord Jesus, so that we can glorify your holy name and bring the kingdom, God's kingdom, on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, we thank you for the message. We thank you that there isn't any day that we should forget who you are and what you've done. I thank you for your covenant. I thank you that it's an unbreakable covenant. Not that I want to break it, but Lord, I know sometimes I fall short of it. And we're thanking you all, all of your church, all of your children, those who have given their hearts to you, that they want to be doing better. They want to strive to be better, Father. So Lord, I pray that you would hear their cry that you would empower them for the next stage that you need to take them through and that you would write all of your words, all of, your, all of the love that you feel for us into their hearts mm. so that they know how much they are loved. So, Lord, thank you for this time and may you be glorified. In Jesus' precious name, amen. amen.